Okay. Um, I guess, first of all, I don't normally like to start a message with a disclaimer, but I feel like I should here. Most of what I speak, when I'm up here speaking, um, I feel like is a borrowed message or uh, a thought or a message that I've gotten from somebody else. Whether it's a book I've read, you know, a podcast or messages that Penn or someone else has spoken. And I, you know, thought about that and then, you know, brought my own scriptures into it or my own stories into it. But I feel like, just to be honest with you, there's very few things that I actually preach that, you know, I've received directly that I haven't been influenced by somebody. So um, I feel like this message here is a borrowed message. And I've, I've made it my own. Um, but it's something that has inspired me from teaching that has been back in the early days of Wellspring. So some of you that have been here for a while might recognize a lot of what I'm going through here. But it's something that has deeply impacted the way that I, um, I guess, handle stress, anxiety, and uh, ha it just changed the way I relate to Jesus as my friend, as uh, it's a there's a relationship. And it's deepened, this message has deepened my relationship with Jesus and I hope it does the same to you. And specifically, it helps guide you through or walk you through times of high stress and anxiety. So, um, a little disclaimer. But I, it has meant a lot to me. And uh, I'd like to just try and make sense of it here this morning for the next 20 minutes or so. And let you know, and just, just break down several verses. I'm only going to go through a couple of verses here in the New Testament and bounce around a few other places, but I want to just take some time, break down a couple of verses, and hopefully inspire you in your uh, relationship with God. So, uh, story. This story will make sense in a minute, but um, just walk with me for the first part of it. I first started, or got into like, Penn was the one that introduced me to kayaking. I had always, you know, I love being outside. We go camping all the time. I just like being outside camping and such. But I'd never really kayaked a whole lot until I came here to Wellspring. And then I remember one time we went on a camping trip up north at Penn's house. And it was maybe the first time I'd ever kayaked. And uh, I, I just loved it. It was like you could get around places so quickly. You could fill your kayak up full of gear and you could reach places a whole lot quicker and uh, he was the one that first introduced me to kayaking so starting from there he took he took me on a kayak trip and several other people and then I started taking people on kayaking trips after that and for the last seven-ish years uh, I've been going on mostly kayaking trips with a lot of the young guys or just the youth from around here we've been going on trips on kayaks out mostly up into the Adirondacks and actually we just went on last year where we went, hopped in kayaks, we loaded up Andrew's kayak trailer uh, with like a dozen kayaks, drove up to the Adirondacks, went way back in, 10 miles back into this uh, spot in the Adirondacks with all kinds of sandy beaches. It's just beautiful and everybody has their own kayak and uh, we just did that last year. We probably will do something like that again this year. So he was the one that got me into it. I loved it, got around, uh, you could, I mean there's kayaking here, Andrew has kayaks, I'm sure there's people kayaking today. But I remember Hearing this one story, then that changed the way I view kayaking. I heard this story. It's a true story of a guy who doesn't live too far from here. He was kayaking in this, I don't know if it was a river or a lake, but it doesn't really matter. He was kayaking, and as he was moving along in his kayak, suddenly, up from the side, you know, a kayak's only that far above the water, a couple inches above the water. You're pretty low, and 
they're easy to carry around. They're small. You can throw them in the back of your truck. It's not much to them. But anyways, up from out of the water next to him comes this must-be-territorial beaver and attacks him in his kayak. And I, I'd never heard of that before. I mean, I've skinned beavers before in my work, and I know how big they can get. I've skinned some over 60 pounds, and they've got some pretty big teeth and claws. And just the thought of having a beaver come up out of dark, murky water and attacking you in your kayak just something I hadn't thought of before. There wasn't really anything in the water that could attack me that I knew of. And so I heard this story that he was attacked by a kayak. I think they thrashed around for a little bit. He eventually fought it off. But he was pretty beat up by the time it was all said and done. I remember seeing pictures of him. He had, like, bandages on him. And I don't know if he had to have stitches or what. But it was a, it was a pretty rough encounter. This beaver just came up and attacked him. And so... It wasn't too long after that that I, um, it was a friend and I, we went down to Bird's Eye Hollow, which is a state park down south, not too far from Hammondsport. And they have this lake, kind of a lake. It's like a large pond there. So a friend and I went one early Sunday morning, threw two kayaks in the back of our truck, drove down to there, and we were going to go do some fishing. We went, we got there like, it was pretty beautiful, right, right at sunrise on a Sunday morning. It was a beautiful morning, like this morning, the sun was coming up. Birds started chirping. We offloaded our kayaks, jumped into this lake, and started fishing. I was fishing there for a while and just having a good time. It's just beautiful. It was super quiet. Nobody else was there. And all of a sudden, I see moving through the water a little ways away, you know, this head, <laughs> a pretty big head. <laughs> and here it was a beaver. <laughs> suddenly, that whole story came back on me again. And all I could think about for the rest of the morning was a beaver coming up. Now, this water is like, the lake is half swamp. I mean, it's like trees everywhere, dark, murky water, and just, you know, scary water to be in. And all I could think of was the water's right here, having this big 60-pound beaver coming up out and attacking me, and I'd have to fight the thing off and then try and make it to shore. And they were everywhere. These beavers were half tame. I mean, I would see one over here, and then one would be over here slapping its tail, and then one would be here not too far away. You know, normally, if I, had, if I hadn't heard that story, I'd have never thought about it. I would have went chasing after them to see if I could get closer. And they weren't that scared. They must have been used to people. But once I heard that story, it just came, all came back on me. As I'm sitting in my kayak, I felt extremely vulnerable. And I'm there in the water. I found myself, like, hugging closer and closer to shore as I was fishing, just in case, you know, if something attacked me, I wanted to be able to get to shore quick. And that, like, I had to think about, like, what are the chances of, how often do you hear of a beaver attacking someone in a kayak? Like, just never happens. Very rarely. That was the one story I heard, and I never thought of it or never heard anything of it before. But that little one story, I created this movie in my head of what could happen. And it, in a way, ruined my fishing trip because all I could think about was something coming up out of the dark, murky water and bringing me down. And it just made me think, like, there's, there's so many examples of that. And that's just a beaver example, a silly little kayaking example, but there's so many examples in our life where we hear something, we imagine something like that, and it can affect the way we do life in the future. You know, it could affect, for me, maybe I never want to go kayaking again anywhere where there's a chance of beavers because I don't want to be attacked by a beaver, even though that's probably never going to happen to me. And if it does, I think I could fight it off. Um, but so many, so many times I see, you know, I I see that happening in my own life and just in other people's lives where um, 
they live in a way where they won't do something because of what could happen because they've made a movie up in their head. They've seen it with their eyes or their heart, like Penn would say, and it affects their decisions from then on. Um, your imagination, I, this is new. Your imagination is not a bad thing. I think we all know that. Um, it's, it's good. Like, it's good to be able to imagine what could happen, you know, if you're a business owner, it's good to be able to think about what could happen, worst case scenario. That's good because you could prepare for it. That's not bad. Actually, in a way, stress is not necessarily a bad thing either because I think it shows that you care. Like for this example, or for an example, this uh, rugged retreat that's coming up, there is stress involved with that. There's some level of anxiety with that where like, you know, Things have to happen in the right way, and we have to be ready in two weeks. And right now, I don't feel like we're, I'm very ready. You know, there's a lot of work to be done. But, you know, there's stress involved with that retreat that I'm leading coming up in two weeks. It's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. I think it just care. I think it shows that you care. If I wasn't stressed, if I didn't worry about this whole thing at all and just say, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> this is probably going to be some disorganized retreat that we're going to have to just really work to make happen. And so I, I don't think stress is necessarily a problem. I think it's learning how to manage the stress, learning how to manage the anxiety in a right way. Because I don't think you can live a life completely without stress if you care about what you're doing. Because there will be a weight, there will be a level of responsibility that's going to weigh. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just on how you deal with it. So... I'm going to open up uh, Philippians and talk just through two verses here that talk about how to deal with anxiety, or you could say stress, say, say anxious. So Philippians uh, 4. Um, first of all, background with the Philippian church. Uh, if you read Acts 16, it's when Paul started the church in Philippi. He got a, it's, a, it's a really cool story. He got a vision from a man in a dream that said, come to Macedonia and help us. And so he went there, and Philippi is uh, an area within Macedonia where they went after he received the vision. So they went there. They met this woman named Lydia who invited them to their house. They lived at her house for a while. And then uh, there's this slave girl who was following them around fortune-telling. She was demon-possessed. And Paul was so annoyed by her fortune-telling after a while that he drove the demon out of her. That created a whole ruckus in the city because suddenly her owners don't are not receiving the income anymore that they're getting from her fortune telling so they stir up a ruckus and Paul and Silas get thrown into prison and we know the story they're in prison they start to sing the prison shakes and they are broken out of jail in a way the jailer the keeper of the prison is just about to kill himself because he sees all his prisoners are escaping Paul stops him and says wait and eventually the jailer and his family believe in Christ. The whole family is saved. Paul ends up back in Lydia's house. They encourage the church, which is the new church right there, or the people in her house. And that's how this church in Philippi was started. The church in Philippi was actually, Paul calls them the most uh, generous church of, I think, every church, any church that he knows. Um, Philippians chapter 4, 15 said, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, so that was right when he left back in Acts 16, no church shared with me concerning, and, or concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So they were the only ones who were giving to him in a way. And he talks about 
how he, um, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. So they were a super generous church. I imagine them actually someone, someone like Wellspring, like just seeing the generosity over the past several months with what's going on here at the building project has been crazy. It's just really cool to see. And it just seems like, you know, it's, this church is a lot the same. We're like, they're super generous, probably busy, probably have a lot going on. And so Paul is kind of summarizing his uh, letter to them in Philippians. Philippians 4 is the uh, last chapter in his letter. And this is sort of what he's ending with. This is what he's giving the church. So uh, Philippians 4, I'm going to start in chapter 6 and just read that verse for now. Uh, he says, okay, be anxious for nothing. So there's that word, anxious. Be anxious for nothing. So that's pretty straightforward. That's easy. Um, and he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So he just names off three different things. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And he wraps up, let your request be made known to God. So, he, so I want to break this down a little bit. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with, doot, 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 names three different things, let your request be made known to God. So I think there's an order here that's important. There's an order here that means something, that when we, go, when we approach it the right way, it can help your anxiety or the stress that's on you. Most people, when they're anxious, when they feel like, you know, the stress is killing them, there's, there's all kinds of, you know, they imagine, they have that movie playing in their head of what could happen, most people's response is to come to God and say, help, you know, help me. That's the first thing. We come to him and say, help. And that's our prayer. We, 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 we pray maybe a little bit more beyond that. And then we sort of hope for God to help us. And that's the prayer. And Paul, in a way, says, slow down. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. So two things you need to know about these two words is they're two different words. The word supplication when you supplicate for something, it means to ask for something. That's where most people start in their prayer life to God, especially when they're anxious and feeling like things are getting out of control. They start right there, they dive right into supplication and just begin uh, frantically asking God to help them. Paul says first, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So if you had a friend, and Jesus is just as real as I am here. I mean, he's, he's, he's here. He's a friend uh, just like any other friends I have here. If you had a friend that every time you would go, go to that person, maybe, let's say you wouldn't even see him that much, but every time you would see that person, you'd be like, help me. You know, I need this. I need that. Like, if someone did that to me, I would eventually begin to avoid that person. Because <laughs> that's not friendship. That's not relationship. And yet that's so many people's relationship when they're coming to God when they need help. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, He's, he's gracious, he's generous, he's gentle, he will work with us, but he wants a relationship with us. Revelations 3, uh, 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him, and he with me. So like, he wants, he wants to just sit over a cup of coffee, he wants to have a cup of coffee with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. So the first thing, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. The word prayer is talking to God, talking to God. Talk to him as if you were a friend. So that's the first thing. Whenever you're feeling anxious, stressed, don't know what to do, Paul says the first thing here, in everything by prayer, talk to the Lord. And I would, I would suggest talking to him as if he doesn't know. Because 
we get into this whole thing where like we we think, oh, God already knows what's going on. You know, what's the point of me talking to him? But no, just push that all aside. Talk to the Lord as if he doesn't know what's going on. Lay the whole thing out. Explain everything to him. There's something about when you talk to him, he's listening, he's real, just as real as I am here standing. He wants to hear you out. He wants to sup with you. He wants to dine with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants a relationship with you. And so the first thing Paul says to do is prayer, which is not supplicating. It's not asking right away. It's simply laying things out. It's simply talking with him. Talk to the Lord as if he doesn't know. Then, once you've talked it out, you supplicate. You ask. And oftentimes, once you've laid everything out in front of the Lord, once you've had a conversation with him, it changes the way you supplicate. You can ask in a better way. You can ask in a more specific way. You can ask in a clearer way rather than just to help me. Typically, when you've had a conversation with the Lord, or when you've had a conversation with anybody, really, it, it lays things out in a way where you can see it differently. And then you can ask. Then you can supplicate. Then you say, okay, God, I need this. I need that. I need, I need this. Or this is what I'm looking for. So, but in everything, by first prayer and then supplication, and then you wrap it up, you, you end it with thanksgiving. So once you've supplicated, you look back over how God has brought you through everything in the past. He's, he's, he's brought you through this far. You've made it this far. God has, has worked with you. He's answered prayers before. So think back over the past of what God has done and just begin to worship. Begin to thank the Lord for how he's answered prayers in the past and how he's going to answer your prayers in the future. So you thank in advance. Now, you could be doing all this and nothing could have changed in whatever is stressing you out. But after this happens, after you let your request be known to God in this way, there's a peace. Let's jump into verse 7. There's a peace that comes from God that surpasses all understanding. So even though nothing may have changed right in the moment, God promises a peace. That if we follow this, uh, if, we, if we pray in this way, where we actually build a relationship with him, talk things out to God, supplicate in the right way, and end with thanksgiving, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding surpasses everything else. You can walk in this peace. And then here's the really good part. And it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So it stops you from going back into that cycle of what if, of playing the movie in your head, of all the bad things that could happen. It guards your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so many people miss this. They, they, come, they come to the Lord and they come to the Lord in a frantic way and they leave in a frantic way. And they don't, they don't go through the relationship that the Lord wants, and they miss the peace that's supposed to come out on the other side of it. Um, Jesus did this. We, if we look at his life, there were so many times where he just disappeared. Like, he would go up onto a mountain somewhere, leave his disciples, or he'd send them across the uh, sea, and he'd just say, I'll catch up with you later. And I think that's what he was, I think he was doing this right here when he disappeared like that. I think he was just talking with his father. He was laying things out because he lived a high-stress life. He was a very, very famous man in his day. Everybody knew him. Everybody wanted his time, his attention. He had to do this. And so I think that's what he was doing whenever he'd disappear or whenever he'd send his disciples off somewheres. He would lay things out in front of the Lord, talk to him, ask, worship. That's what he was doing. I think, actually, this is just me, but there's several stories of him walking on water. 
I think he didn't even know he was walking on water. I think he was just walking, you know, just talking to God and, and praying things through. And he just looked down, and he's on water. <laughs> now, again, this is just me, but there's this story where um, the disciples are, are in the boat, and they see Jesus in a distance, and they think he's a ghost. And there's this line that says he would have passed them by if they wouldn't have stopped him. I think he was just so focused. He was just praying to the Lord and explaining things and talking things through. He was just walking on water and maybe didn't even realize he was on water. <laughs> so I think, I think Jesus um, built his life around this, and I think that's how he handled the stress that was there. Um, I have a picture I wanted to show you. Beth, pull that up. You can see it. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that lane is uh, right behind my house. I love that lane. There's been lots and lots of things, problems. Uh, yeah, things solved on that lane. That's my dog right there. Um, those are cows in the background. So if you walk down that lane, you can take a left, and it opens up into that meadow right there, and then you can keep on, and you take a right, and you take another right, and you can loop around that meadow. And then over to your right all the way, there's a pond that you might stop by, and then you come back around, and you can hit this lane again and walk back down to the house. I know if I can, if I can make it to this lane, if I can make it to this lane, I start walking up that lane with my dog. If I can just lay everything out to the Lord, as if he doesn't know, I can start with prayer, and just lay everything out. Tell them what's going on. Tell them what's happening. What's causing me stress. What's feeling like I can't control. Then I can take a left and I can loop around. And then I can get into what should I ask for? How should I ask? And then by the time I'm coming back around, I can start thinking of all the times in the past where God has answered my prayers. Where God, I've made it this far. God has grown me. He's stretched me more than I could ever imagine. And I can get into thanksgiving. I can, I can get into worship. And I can start thanking God for what's going to happen in the future. I can be a different man. By the time I'm coming back around again, I feel like I can take on anything. I'm a different man from when I started. And it's not, it's not the lane. You can do that anywhere. I just like that picture of the lane. and um, That just holds a special place in my heart. But you can do this anywhere. But I just want to encourage you to find your own lane somewhere, is to create a space to where you can go through these three different things that Paul mentions in chapter 6. Or you can lay things out. If you, if you feel like there's stress, anxiety, uh, just things you don't know, you can lay everything out. Create a time and a space, a place for you to lay things out in front of the Lord. Explain it. Talk it through Him. He wants a relationship. He wants to sup with you. And then ask Him, and then end in worship. This is not something that happens one time. This is something I think that we do. You know, I don't know how many times I've walked that lane. I just do it multi many, many times, many times in a week. It's not a one-time thing. It's something that you just have to build into your life. These, these verses, 6 and 7, are something you need to build into your life. It'll change the way you handle stress. It'll change the way you handle weight or just things, levels of responsibility that you put on you. It really does. You see it in, um, there's this cool story of Isaac. This is his lane. Uh, Isaac, Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. I love these, this verse right here. Isaac is, uh, he just sent his employee or his servant out to get him a wife. And so the employee or his servant is coming back with his future wife, but he doesn't know that. And his future wife and his servant, I just imagine them cresting this hill that overlooks Isaac's farm. He's the farmer. And they see this right here. 
And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. So that word, he's not sitting cross-legged with his hands like this, meditating. He's, I just imagine him walking through like a wheat field. It's in the evening, so it's like the picture I showed, you know, with the sun coming down. I just imagine him walking through this wheat field, and his hands running over the top of the wheat, and I just imagine him laying things out to the Lord. He doesn't know that his future wife is just about to show. She's just about to come over the, the, uh, the hill. But I just love this picture of him walking through his farm fields, walking through his work, and he's meditating. He's taking time to just think and talk things over with God. That's my picture there. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I love seeing that, uh, love seeing that in Genesis here where Isaac did it. It's not a one-time thing. It's something you need to build. Jesus said um, in 1 Peter, cast your cares on me, for I care for you, or for he cares for you. He wants you to cast your cares on him. He wants you to tell him what's going on. He doesn't want you to just come and say, help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. He wants to hear about it. Pretend he doesn't know. Have coffee with him. Imagine him sitting right across the table from you. It'll change the way you handle the stress that's coming. And once you do that, and you end in a thanksgiving, you end by remembering how he's helped you before and how he will help you in the future, there's a peace that you can walk in. There's a peace that you can walk in that surpasses everything else, surpasses all understanding, and it guards you. It guards you from falling through this cycle of what could happen. This is something that I've seen Penn walk through so many times. He's the one that originally I've, I got most of this from. Um, but I've seen him walk through this just recently with the, uh, with the building project. I know there's a high level of stress that I don't know how many of you even realize is on our senior leader with this building project because basically we bought this thing with no money or very little money. When we first walked to this property back in... Uh, this is in the fall, maybe, or early winter. I can't remember. Um, when it first hit the market, I remember uh, we walked through this property, and we were in the backyard there talking about how this could work. And I'm thinking in my head, like, there's no way this could work. Like, this is way above our budget. <laughs> and I don't know, six, eight months later, here we are. It's just crazy. And I know that Penn carries a lot of the weight of what's going to happen in the future. Can we handle this? Is this too much for us? Did we take the right step? But I see him doing this over and over again every week where he's out. He's, he's laying things out in front of the Lord. And he's asking by faith. And he's worshiping. And he's able to walk in peace throughout this whole thing. I love the example that he's put out. I see that. So I want to inspire you. I'm wrapping up here. But I want to inspire you to uh, make time. Make a place if you have to. Find your own lane. But make time to, to build your relationship with the Lord. There is a peace that you can walk in. A tremendous peace that you can walk in. That it pushes past everything else you have in your life. These are powerful verses. I remember memorizing these verses years ago. And they're just... It's so easy to blow through some verses like these and not even realize the power of them until you take some time, you break them down piece by piece, and you let God speak to you through these. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 have changed the way I just handle things that are coming at me and change the way I, uh, change the way I relate to God. He truly is a friend. Let's stand.